This is Cat's Podcast, episode number 31. Welcome back, my friends. Super happy to have you here today. I hope the sun is shining for you here. It is finally, finally summer. I can't tell you. It's been such a long, cold <laughs> winter and spring. So super happy to have summer now. Yes. So today I am chatting with Randy Dillon. She's a coach working with the techniques of family constellations, breath work and meditation. And we are diving into her work in family, aka systemic constellations, and explore how this method can help us find clarity and truth, shed light on intransparent situations, family patterns that might be going back into the lives of our ancestors and how it can help us solve long unresolved issues. And Randeep is telling her own inspiring story, how working with constellations has helped her personally live in truth and break with painful family cycles. Enjoy this deep conversation. All right, Randeep, I'm super happy to have you on today. We are here today to talk about finding truth and freedom and reconnecting with our true nature or reconnecting with our authenticity and our true selves. And yeah, I'm very happy to have you here on my podcast today. Um, Randeep is a coach she's doing um, systemic or family constellations breath work and meditation and weaving all together in a beautiful package helping people so welcome to my show thank you so much kat it is an honor to be here i'm so so grateful that you uh, invited me um, honestly just super super grateful thank you so much you're so welcome so Let's dive right in. Living your truth. Yeah. Truth plays a big role for you. It's part of your brand as well. We'll talk about that later. But living your truth, what does that mean for you? Yeah, living my truth or in truth, I would say, is living according to who you truly are inside. And it doesn't mean this external character or um, mask or whatever we have presented to the world as a that's kind of almost like a culmination of events that we've been through but it's really this inner part of you that is always knowing that always knows the right thing to do for you that knows the path it's your intuitive voice it is your heart the, all that guidance inside I believe that is when you live listening to that and acting from that place I think that's what living living in truth is. And I didn't always know that though. <laughs> so I knew, I knew that I had this inner voice. It was very strong, always very strong. I remember it being strong since I was a little kid and I didn't quite understand what it was. Just didn't make any sense to me because what it was telling me was not what was happening around me. And then eventually, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about later, uh, events happened that led me to understand that, oh, wow, this is like my inner compass. And actually, just before we started chatting, I, I got reminded about the Disney movie Pinocchio. Have you seen okay. it? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. There's, he has his conscience, Jiminy Cricket. And there's a song, Always Let Your Conscience Be Your Guide. And I used to love this song as a kid. And actually, like, let's not go into Disney and what they do and everything, but it's a lovely concept. It's like, always let your conscience be your guide. And, and I think that's what living in truth is. This, I mean, I'm not sure people can see me, but I'm pointing to my heart, my, my inner space. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it, really. I hope that's clear enough. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's closely linked to our purpose, right? Um, I would say linked, but I wouldn't say the same thing. Mm -hmm. I would say purpose comes when you almost find your skills plus your passion and, and how you want to even serve the world and, and be of contribution. But you can live and be in truth and not necessarily be fulfilling that purpose every single day almost. For example, I might know that what's truthful for me today is to rest and to just be and take space and, and not contribute to anything and, and not be with people or offer my services or be with family, even maybe I just want a day alone. And, and that is um, being in truth to myself. But sure, it, it, then it also contributes to my purpose because then I will be rested enough to be able to achieve my purpose in those later moments and days. So for sure, like you said, it's totally linked. But I wouldn't say that you necessarily have to know your purpose to live in truth always, because it's a journey to get there. It's a journey to get to your purpose. And not everyone does even. Or people may be living their purpose without even realizing it. Yeah. I know a lot of people are, for sure. You know, like people who are in service and they just see it as, I'm just helping people. Or they see it as, well, why would you do anything else? And they are for sure living their purpose because that's what they're called to do. They think that that's the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, hefty word purpose. <laughs> I think almost living in truth is easier. <laughs> it is. And what you just said makes it, I find it makes it clearer because it's in the micro as well. You know, purpose is this hefty word. It's this like big thing above and it probably can feel heavy as well. And so what you just said about living your truth, you know, this is also going day by day. And I really yeah. love that as an explanation to, you know, just tune in every day. How am I feeling today? What's the best thing to do? Or what's what's aligned with, with my body or my mind or my soul today? Absolutely. And as we know, every day is different. Well, hopefully every day is different for us. You know, this is life. We want it to be colorful. Uh, and also we have different challenges. We live in different environments and not every day we're going to be able to contribute to our purpose. And sometimes that's okay. And then that for you living in truth is serving your family or serving your needs right for that day. And I think that's what we often forget when Everything in this culture at the moment in the last 10 years or so is really about your dharma and your purpose. And, and that's it. It's almost like living your truth. Why is that not a purpose? That is literally the ultimate form of living, I would say. And that's what a lot of us have forgotten. For sure, loads of people are coming back to it. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it, purpose doesn't even need to be such a heavy word. It's, the, it's what 
it's the weight we've given it as a society, isn't it? Yeah, it really might be. I just recently listened to a podcast where um, Brad Hay, I can name him here. It's not advertisement. So you like Brad. <laughs> You like him? Yeah, yeah he, he was uh, one of my teachers when I was um, on my yoga teacher training in Bali. Oh, nice. Oh, that's super good. Yeah, I've only, I'm only following him on Instagram and um, listened to that interview, which was with Briar. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he also talked about purpose and it was so nice. And he said something, it was something very simple. And it basically came down to, you know, just being in flow on a certain day or something like that, something along these lines, that could be your purpose too. And it was so nice to hear that because it was so light and um, yeah, took out the heaviness out of this whole purpose discussion, which can be really quite, um, quite dense and overwhelming when you're, especially when you're in a, bubble like we are on Instagram or in our yoga communities or in our mindfulness communities and I'm sure there are also listeners out there who are like what the heck is purpose <laughs> but, yeah and we kind of also like um we associate purpose with a certain thing that we need to achieve what happens if what if someone's purpose is to just not to just but a huge thing to be a mother or a father or uh, to be a carer for someone? Um, what if someone's purpose is to be free of an addiction and then help other people along the way further down the line? And it's, it's not necessarily a specific thing at this point that they need to achieve. Perhaps just being aligned is a purpose. It could be, yeah, it could be very simple, mm. like you said, like Brad says. Yeah. So when was the point in your life when you felt there's something let's say not right you know or you felt ah something's off I'm which you would translate now I wasn't in alignment or I wasn't living my truth so what happened what came up for you because um I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening they contemplate life And sometimes we just know something doesn't feel right. But sometimes yeah. we don't even know that. And we do things and just maybe wonder a bit like why aren't things going the way I want them to go? So how was that whole process for you? Yeah. Um, so there was definitely one major moment in my life But I think there was a lot leading up to it that would help, help I guess, everyone listening understand it, is that I remember being um, so aware when I was a lot younger and at school that when I was at home, <laughs> this is a very specific memory I have, at home doing homework or revising for exams, I was just so, now I would describe it as not in an alignment, but at the time I just felt so disappointed with life. I thought there's got to be more than just sitting here and revising the same topics, which my teachers have just told me I actually won't need in life later on. I remember my biology teacher used to say to me, you just need to pass the exam. You don't need to remember it afterwards. And I thought, what is the point in this? This is crazy. 
this didn't make any sense to me. And I thought that from a young age, there were, of course, some subjects that I enjoyed. I loved English and literature. But then the ones which didn't make any sense to me, um, I would just, that time spent doing homework or uh, revising to me felt so wasted in my life. And I do understand now that education is a huge topic and I was very, very privileged. I had a private education, I had amazing teachers, but I just remember that feeling <laughs> that this is not right for me. Whatever else I wanted to be doing, I don't know, but I just knew. And then um, I remember through my twenties, um, I'm in my thirties now. So in my twenties, I was just, I was kind of like, there were pockets of joy and, I definitely was not a depressed person, but I couldn't say that I was feeling as ecstatic as I do these days. And so it, I knew that there was something missing. And that missing part came to me when I first moved abroad. So I was living in London most of my time after I graduated. And I was around 28 when I first was offered, I was working in the corporate sector um, and I got offered a role in Geneva. And this was the first time I was moving away from family. I was very much entangled in my family's lives. Um, being Indian, we're very, very close to each other, whether we fall out or not. It's kind of like family is everything. And so when I was there, not only was there a physical separation from my family, I managed to somehow find a lot of mental space that came. And then what I realized was, oh, I loved hiking and I loved going out with my friends to dinners and enjoying wine and, and doing all these things which I realized were missing from my life. And, and that's kind of like the richness of life, you know, the, the enjoyment. And I never really quite found that in London. And so that's when I realized that, oh, wow, I wasn't really living according to how I wanted to live before because I hadn't really experienced much else. So I think a lot of living in truth does have to come with life experience. You can't always know if you have only experienced one thing. But then the biggest aha was when I hit 30. And it's not necessarily because I hit 30. It's just an accumulation of things at the same time. I was deeply unhappy. I was in living in Qatar at the time. So I'd taken another job after Geneva. Um, it wasn't that I was away from my family. It's just that we had a lot going on in my family that was weighing on me at the time. Um, we had a... We had a lot of issues of alcoholism in my family, my, my uh, father and brother, and um, my parents were in a business which they didn't enjoy. They had um, a corner store which was selling liquor and it was in a very racist, violent area. So my mind was kind of always thinking about my family. That plus I wasn't really happy in like any relationships and I just didn't know who I was. And I was like, what is the point? I don't get it anymore. I'm just sad. And I remember before my 30th birthday, I was just crying in the shower. And I, and if, through God knows so much luck and universe maybe helping, a friend of mine at the time sent me this coach. It's like almost like a feminine coach, I guess. And she said, hey, I'm working with this lady. Maybe you'll like her. And um so I started working with her and I remember I filled in the questionnaire um, to first work with her. And it said at the bottom, as I signed it, are you ready for your life to change? I will never forget that because from that moment, my life changed. <laughs> and it never that went is back. so cool. 
to it put that at the bottom of a questionnaire. Yeah. I and like it's that. It's kind of almost like, I guess it's kind of cheesy to think about it, but it was true. And what happened was, it was my, my starting to see how not everything was my problem. Other people's problems were not my problems. And then help use, I guess, getting the help of these coaches who were able to listen to me and say, okay, look, clearly you're not living according to how you want to live. So how do you want to live? And I didn't even know because this wasn't something that anyone had asked me or taught me. I didn't have any examples of it in my life. Nobody who I can think of was who I looked up to. I was taught about the tick box life scenario. And it was that moment then signing in with that, that beautiful lady at the time that um, helped me start the process of aligning to my truth. Mm. And that was uh, 2014, I guess. So yeah, that. And then I think the next big pivotal moment was when my brother passed away. And that was almost five years ago now. So that was November 2016. And we'd had a couple of deaths in the family that year already. So this was the final one. And it was kind of a linking. Yeah, it was kind of a linking of two things because my grandmother had passed away in the January and she was like the queen of our family. She had six, um, six children and my dad was one of them. And when she passed, it was almost like a, it was just a strange feeling in our family because we had never thought that she wouldn't be there because she, she was just like this pillar of love, this pure pillar of love. And everyone who talks about her still, you can't say anything bad about her. So she was an amazing example of love. And she always said, forgive, it doesn't matter. She had compassion for everyone. So that plus and a few months later in May, 2016, my uncle, my dad's younger brother passed away from a brain tumor. And I remember at the funeral, my brother was quite in the throes of his alcoholism and he turned up a bit inebriated to the funeral and I was deeply embarrassed and it was a very difficult moment. But um, he said to me, um, I don't wanna be next. And those words stuck with me for so long. Um, And then, yeah, so in our family, he was the next one to pass away. And it was just a complete shock because we didn't expect him to. And we never actually found out why he passed away. The the coroners never found any reason other than he had, you know, the issues that are associated with alcoholism. But you don't usually expect people to just, uh, for, you know, you know, for want of better words, drop dead. Because my parents just came home one day and just found him already dead in his bedroom. And uh, I think that, you know, something as major as that is a huge shock to the system. And yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I guess what I what happened after that was just a massive introspection of myself and my family that I was already starting to go into. But it, it made me analyze behavior, human behavior, my family's behavior, my behavior, and all of these cycles I was a part of or maybe creating in a completely different way. And I just thought it had to stop. And, and, and that, I guess, was the complete then alignment to like, this is my path. And I must, must, must figure out who I am, what I want, because the ultimate is death. 
And I, I know that's pretty like a huge thing to say, but that was my life at the time. And, and I know some people, um, when they suffer such trauma and grief, go into blame or judgment on other people, they disassociate or they go into um, just being angry. I didn't really feel any of that. Um, I just had a huge longing for knowing truth and for knowing why. And, and I think all that journey and then the coach I was working with at the time really helped me understand what were the reasons why my brother ended up the way he did. Mm. He was my older brother. And, and then I made sure that um, I wasn't going to be like that. So not everyone needs to have such huge trauma in order to find their truth. But this was just something that was in my life. Mm. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And I'm, yeah, just, although it's been five years, I'm really sorry for your loss and for all that you had to go through. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just, I guess at the time, I, I couldn't fathom how I would be able to survive. Um, I just remember a couple of days after, we, we had a lot of family at our house, like so much family. They all come to pay their condolences or they come to, you know, support us. And... Um, I just remember saying to one of my cousins, I think that I'm going to have to, because I was 32 at the time. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have to live like 50, 60 years without my brother. And that, that to me was just like, I didn't know how it would happen. Because as much as he was a pain in my life too, because he was quite abusive and, and he, he took a lot of my energy. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I just didn't understand what life would be without a sibling, you know, because I think a sibling death is completely different to someone who's older than you because I've, I've experienced death of grandparents and luckily I still have my parents, but um, you don't really expect your sibling to pass at such a young age. He was 38. So I think coming to terms with such huge, um, huge thoughts and feelings in, in such a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how I did it, but I, I somehow did it. And now it's, it's, it's like something I can easily talk about, you know, mm. it's definitely been a journey. I can't imagine that it was a huge push towards finding that truth, as you said. Yeah. That, that put like, you know, when cars come with turbo in their engines, it was like <laughs> that. That plus like <laughs> that plus infinity into my seek for truth and and seek to I've always been a person who loves to read and learn over and over and over but that made me like the biggest seeker ever that I could ever be um, and I don't think my family were quite aware of what I was doing or going through um, but for me it was the only path. And it made sense. It was like, well, okay, well, if this has happened, I want to figure out why. So I don't repeat the same mistakes. And I also want to make sure anyone who comes next in my family don't repeat the same mistakes. And it's almost like, you know, when sometimes you just know what your place is and you just don't admit it. It was like that. It was like the moment of admitting that maybe my place in my family is to stop the cycles. And, and there are people of every family in, a, in each generation who just know intrinsically that they are here to heal or to sever um, 
bonds that have created suffering in the family. And it's, it's almost as if I just finally accepted that, okay, maybe my job is to figure out why this rubbish is happening in my family, why we're in so much pain, why alcoholism keeps being passed down generations because my dad's dad was also an alcoholic. And so I was like, right, well, I'm going to make sure that whenever I have a son, he's not, or if, if I have a son, he's not going to be one. Or if I have a daughter, she's not going to be one. And I'll make sure that um, I'll live the best life I can because my brother passed. So it's almost in honor of him because a, lot, a huge part of me was grieving for what he couldn't get to live. And that was his truth. And a lot of the reason for his alcoholism was that he didn't live in truth. And I saw it and, and, and I knew it so well because he wanted to be a professional football player. But unfortunately, the generation he grew up in, completely different to mine and the ones uh, younger than me, was one of like fulfill your duty and, and have a job and get your education, get married. He didn't. But there was nothing about living your passion and seeing what skills you're good at. And, and nor did my parents know how to support that. It wasn't their fault, but mm. it's like he got sucked into this cycle of what others wanted, expected him to be. And he couldn't quite crawl out of that expectation and trying for sure. He tried over and over and over. So it's like me watching him failing to find his truth made me want to have it even more. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. So you touched on two things actually that are super interesting or good links to our further conversation. Um, one is like family patterns, you know, things that our parents live that they automatically kind of pass on to us or that we perceive as normal that we grow up with and that we're conditioned by. And then of course the, the quest to live your truth and not listening to what others are saying and not being intimidated by that or um, directed by that. And I believe it's still so, so important to talk about it because in our society, like, I think the majority is still living that way. And although there might be a change, as you just said, there might be like something shifting, something turning around. A lot of people still live in a way that's not focused on what they want, but on what others want, or they are like on autopilot. And so let's, For now, let's dive into the um, the patterning and the conditioning because this is also part of your work, part of the work that you've done with your therapist or coach. And this is also something that you're giving out now that you're uh, helping people with. So Tell us a little bit about that and what uh, family constellations are the method you're working with. Oh, I would love to. So <laughs> I, came across, I came across this kind of work. It was also a little bit a part of what my first coach that I told you that um, I had found where she introduced me to um, how childhood memories and things that had happened to us when we were kids. She actually almost was able to put me into this 
hypnotic um, situation where I would go back and re not relive, but encounter these memories and help unlock them and gain awareness from them. But it went more deep in, if that's even, can you say more deep, <laughs> deeper, um, <laughs> around 2016 time when I came into contact with this amazing, one of my amazing coaches, Illy Adato. And um, I was, again, introduced to him by another friend. So, you know, it's been a lovely kind of introduction to the people who have taught me. And I started working with him around April 2016. And again, I was in that phase where I knew that stuff wasn't, um, I wasn't that happy in my life. I'd now come back to London. I, I was back into, I was into another corporate job. And I knew that there was some stuff to unpack. And this is while my brother was still here. Um, what can I, can I quickly, can I quickly ask you, um, what kind of corporate job was it? Yeah, sure. Um, I was working in, um, for 10 years, I worked in oil and gas doing information management consulting. So I guess working with a lot of their data, um, wow. I, working with a lot of, it was always project work. So I would go to lots of different clients. So I was very much moving around a lot, which is why I got to go to Qatar and, um, and Geneva. And then when I came back to London, then I was working for another management consultancy. And this time it was in the work was in banks because London's more finance capital. So that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm, I was working on projects with teams or without, but I wasn't so happy because I wasn't aligned to any of the work at that time, I guess, because I, I hadn't really figured out my own values yet. So this hmm. is part of the journey. And so I have so many people <laughs> talking about it on my podcast and it's, yeah, it's almost like this is part of your life. Everyone has to go through this. It can feel I'm like honestly, this. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're not, you know, I actually know about, I think it's the Mayan culture. Uh, I read this somewhere. Somebody told me that when they're born, they're almost given a book that is shown what their characteristics will be and how they would kind of almost should with inverted commas be living their life like this is what your astrology is and this is how all the things that are going to help you thrive how cool right it's almost like a, a book to your life here you go now go live and enjoy <laughs> I would love that <laughs> but on the, on the other hand we have to figure this out <laughs> um so yeah but this coach Illy he introduced me to something called family and systemic constellations And this was super cool because it's, it's a technique created by somebody called Bert Hellinger in Germany back in the 50s, 60s, I think. And what this guy did was he observed lots of tribes in um, Africa and, and, and I know systemic constellations is very popular in South America too. So a lot of cultures where they have a lot of history and what those cultures do is they use their knowledge of the ancestors to understand why challenges are occurring in the present moment of the family. So they, if, for example, like with me with alcoholism, um, if I was one of those tribes, they would then look back into um, the parental line and then see what has been happening, what situations have been occurring, what was the health of the parents, grandparents, and their grandparents. And in that way, they were observing and almost dissolving these issues just by observing and bringing to light that this had been a pattern. And it's kind of like, like when you 
find a problem, almost naming the problem helps it become better. Mm. So it's like that. And what I did with him was then I started to unpack all of the um, cycles and all of the ancestral patterns in my family. And the way I did it was one-to-one sessions. And you can, in family constellations, use a lot of different kind of materials, I guess. And what you do is you tap into something called the knowing field, which in yoga we also call the nada, or you can say quantum. Um, but it's, it's almost like we as human beings are a part of energy and we're connected to something always. But what this technique says is we're connected to a system. We carry the energy of all of that system within us. So if we look at the family system, whatever has happened in the family system that we are related to is also going to affect us. So if someone's been, uh, someone's had an abortion and, and maybe later in the line, they haven't more children, maybe that's going to have an effect on the children if those children don't know about it. And as soon as maybe those children are, are you know, advised that this is what happened in our family, it's almost like maybe some behavioral issues will go away because that child is actually not the first in line in that family. It's the person, it's the child that, had, that was aborted. So it's almost, it brings to light um, the truth of the situation. And um, it brings clarity to a situation where maybe there was some, uh, like say confusion or you just don't know what's been happening. And it's like, the, with the ancestral patterns, for example, if no one's aware, they will continue to have their repercussions, won't they? So when we bring light to the full situation, so it's like a zoom out lens on a situation, mm-hmm. and we start to map out with, um, with awareness. This is where I was saying that you use the objects. So we use pieces of colored felt material, and you can use pieces of paper too. And I would say, think of a situation, or he would say that to me. For example, I want to decide. So, sorry, to what, what did you use? Pieces of of, um, of different fabric or color, or what did you say? Yeah, so you can use different uh, fabric. Like, for example, he was using circles or squares. So he would say a circle is feminine, a square is masculine. Oh. He would put a little cut in them, like a V shape, to show the direction, because direction is also important. And When I'm at home, I just use pieces of paper. It's super simple. You just need the gist of what's happening. And so, for example, it's a situation and you would say the present moment and you put a a like a a colored piece of paper or the felt or material. And I actually stand on it to represent the emotions of that present situation. And then I feel into it. And because I'm tapping into this knowing field, it's almost like that information come, is downloaded to me. And I say, for example, the present moment, because it's me, I know what it feels like, but if I'm representing somebody else, like my father or something, I can suddenly get that feeling. I don't know how it happens, it just happens. And then you can say, okay, well, maybe there's confusion and anger and maybe there's sadness. So then you map those out. And what you do is you put the colored felt or paper for those, anger, sadness, confusion. And then you can stand on each of those and then see what's happening. And by doing that, you almost like start to pull apart a situation 
and see the entire clarity of it. It's like a map. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that way, then you can see all of the different emotions, perhaps the people involved, perhaps people that weren't even known to you can come into the picture. Um, and that happens a lot when you work with ancestors. You start to just feel like maybe I feel like I'm quite tired or I'm quite old. And then you can go, oh, well, maybe you're an ancestor and just place a placement for an ancestor. And yeah, so then it just allows like the truth suddenly start being entangled and in this, in this way, you just gain clarity and more awareness of the situation. And then you're able to make your decision from there. It's like, okay, I have awareness now. This is like a tool for coaching. So it's not necessarily arriving to a, a certain destination. Because usually when you bring clarity, yes, um, it will also bring healing without you doing anything to the people. But then if it's necessarily for you, then, then it's your decision. What do you want to do next with it? So my decisions were that, okay, I wanted to do this with my life and I wanted to maybe be more aligned with my career or whatever it was. Um, And so then I got trained in it um, a few years ago because I just loved it so much. And I found Mm -hmm. that I started offering it to family members for free. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Do you want to try it out? And they loved it. (laughs) So I got trained in it and now I've started to offer it. And um, yeah, it's super cool. I would I would love everyone to try it. It's not for everyone because maybe everyone doesn't want to try it, but um, it's certainly helpful if you can't figure out um, a, a resolution to a situation. Uh, and mm. that's what I couldn't do because I couldn't really resolve the alcoholism in my family, but I could almost find the links as to what was causing them and then take my part in it and do my bit. Okay, yeah. It, it's a, it's that, quite complicated if you just talk about it. You have yeah. to experience it. But that's actually good that you said it because I wanted to ask. So it will be um, either to help you figure out um, what, um, what caused a certain situation or um, finding a solution. So it could be both, right? So it could be finding out the cause or the... the Sometimes just to, bring, just to bring resolutions to um, what we call the orders of love. And that's when um, relationships in families or in systems are out of place. So, for example, um, when someone like a child of a parent is acting like the parent of their parent... So mm-hmm. if, I, if I'm trying to um, father my father um, and be his parent, I am out of place in my relationship with him. He is the father and I am the child. If I'm trying to be bigger than him, it's going to make problems in our relationship. As soon as I learned this in my family, my God, things changed. <laughs> and I then felt it with my sister And I know she's going to get annoyed when she watches this and I tell this, but I felt it because um, I realized that when she was trying to give me help or be a little bit bigger than, because she's younger than me, be a little bit bigger than her place in in my family, then that made me frustrated. It's like, oh, you're younger, you know, that kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. Not that I was disrespecting her. It was an automatic shift of energy. And so as soon as I stopped trying to, be my parents uh, parent 
things shifted so much. And, and this happens with all sorts. It, there's also time. So the order of time. So who came before who? So grandparents came before us. So it's almost like we need to give them that respect. And the mm -hmm. same happens in a workplace. So who's been there the longest can almost have the most amount of weight in that company rather than the new person who's the new manager. Mm -hmm. If you acknowledge that person who's been there the longest, it, it will create a shift of energy in the team. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of like right. this. It's, it's really interesting. So it's, it's almost giving the relationships their rightful order. I just wanted to say, you know, today where there's so many boundaries dissolving and also classical relationships dissolving, it to me, it seems that looking at it this way, it can really help reestablish kind of an order, maybe even a direction for us because it gives us a place, you know, uh, a safe place where we're meant to be. And maybe this can help us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It I reminds us. Yeah, absolutely. When I learned these orders of love, everything started to make sense and, and, and why I was acting a certain way and why others around me. Um, belonging is another huge one. So it's, it's almost like we as humans need this sense of belonging. So it makes sense why someone would want to join, you know, um, a petition for something or why they enjoy being part of an, an education system or, um, you know, fight for climate change, that it's a sense of belonging to that group. And when we don't have a sense of belonging, that's when we get depressed because this is a huge part of our human nature. And mm -hmm. that's a huge part of our truth too, to belong to something, whether it's a cause, a family. Um, but when it comes to healing, it's um, what was interesting that I learned was you will always belong to your family even if you're adopted, even if you don't know who your family are, because you were born, you will belong to someone. And, and knowing that was so interesting um, because, you know, when people feel lonely and for sure I have, and, and I know lots of people who don't know their place in the world. And it's almost knowing that just being alive means you belong somewhere to someone, mm. even if those people don't exist anymore, because they will exist in spiritual nature. Um, yeah. yeah, super interesting stuff. <laughs> That's another conversation altogether. <laughs> oh, totally. But it's so, yeah, I would almost say eye-opening. And I'm sure it can give so, so many people solace, you know, mm -hmm. knowing Absolutely. that there's a place or a group of people they belong to. They just do. They don't have to do anything to it because yeah. they... Yeah, I just got shivers because it reminded me of the feeling that no matter whether I was the black sheep in the family or not, I was always going to belong to my family. And that's period. There's nothing mm. about it. Even people who get shunned from their families still ultimately belong because it's biological. Yeah. 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 It's, it's cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Totally. And it also gives me like new perspectives on this on this whole um, family or systemic constellation thing. Um, so I know you've done a yoga teacher training as well. You're a mm -hmm. yoga teacher, certified yoga teacher. Um, mm -hmm. 
what I'm interested in, and also a few of the listeners, I'm sure, you know, how do these two systems, let's call them systems, go together? Um, my question, I guess, originates in the, maybe in the sense that sometimes we feel, well, we have a tool or we have help in one area and we might feel that's enough or think that's enough. But maybe it's not. Or maybe if you have two elements that go well together, it's even better. So I would love your um, yeah, your opinion and experience on, on that, combining yoga and, and family constellations. For sure. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to take it a little bit broader even. Yeah. Because what I found from my experience, I can only speak from only, is that you have to find the right prescription for you. And that is not necessarily what someone else can teach you is the right thing. Again, I'm keep using my hands, but people can't see me. Well, they will at least be able to be part of it. So keep using your hands. <laughs> because these are all, um, these are all like we know, methods of finding your truth in the world, your, your, your best self and um, of living an amazing life. But none of them are really you know, you must live this way and you must do this. Because if it's if that's the way, then that's like a dictatorship and that's not really necessarily what everything is trying to, to teach us. Yeah, so, no, that's a, that's a good point. And yeah, I would say just also to bring my question maybe a little bit more into perspective is mm -hmm. I'm just super interested at the moment in, in yoga Those and family two. constellations and sure. especially in this conversation, but it could be different. It could be two yeah. completely other things. Oh, for sure. Okay, then, yeah. So the last, I've always had yoga in my life for, um, I can't say always had yoga in my life, but I guess some form of spiritual practice has always been in my life. And that's because I've been born into this Indian family where um, religion was a big part, uh, is a big part of our lives. And um, I've been, I guess, less so um, actively religious once I've been more into the yoga world, simply because it's almost like I understood before religion was asking me to pray to a god. And then the yoga teachings, when I started to study them, they were saying, you are the god, like the god is within you. But then what happened was, in a really cool way, when I went back to read the Sikh scriptures in English, after I did my yoga studies, they were saying the same thing. <laughs> It's just that I didn't know. They were also saying, God is within you. You must listen inside. And I was like, why aren't they telling us before? Why didn't they tell me when I was a kid? And I could have known this and I didn't have to pay for YDT. <laughs> no, I'm joking. So anyway, um, <laughs> what happened, how, it, how I've seen them is, um, Yoga helps me become more collected, mm -hmm. more collected in the sense of the whole system of, you know, body, breath, mind. And it, it gave me a clear pathway, the way I learned anyway, in, in the Hatha tradition from the practice in Bali. And I was definitely practicing yoga for many years before, I guess, I guess 10 years before, like say Western yoga. And that was only the physical form, like a lot of us. And yeah. I did actually have really lovely teachers who were teaching Hatha. So quite soon after finding yoga, I started studying Hatha, which was much slower, more breath control. But meditation, again, was only a small part of it. And so 
what's come out of learning from the practice is or learning this traditional Sri Rigya way is meditation. And it's almost like meditation was the missing piece of my puzzle I didn't know was missing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am in love with meditation. And, it, and it's like the silence that I long for every single day. And it's that bit that helps me connect with my truth. And as soon as I started to feel this, when I started to really have longer meditations and and actually understand that I was able to drop into meditation way faster than I expected. Um, like in a couple of minutes, I would just be boom, like deep into it. And I think that's just a part of my, my nature and, and um, how I am as a person, just for myself. So it's like that gives me this constant of connecting with myself. And then what Family Constellations did was help me understand and become more aware of the life around me. Hmm. So it's almost like yoga was me and Family Constellations was about the environment I live hmm. in. And then merging those two together helped me have this um, lovely understanding of myself and how I'm living within the world. Because I love the form of yoga that we that I and I know you are studying also tantra saying you know find all this knowledge but go live in the world too and this is actually what my coach was teaching me before I came to the practice and that's what I love about it so it's not like renounce all your belongings and go live in a cave or go live on a <laughs> beach and be on your own and on an island because what's the fun in that <laughs> so I want to live with my family and I want to have fun and, and and have a partner and and do all the things that you would maybe call a regular life but you do it in a more aware fashion and when you're more aware you're less perceptible oh you you receive that kind of reaction feeling less I would say and you understand to step back a little bit faster or to not even get involved and entangle in situations when I feel there's a negative vibe somewhere, I kind of almost go, mm, I don't really want to be part of that. And I would just maybe politely ask, can we talk about something else? And respect that through knowing about consolations, that this is what that family member is carrying. Um, and, and it's their journey to resolve that. It's not mine to carry, but I can still be here for them and present with them. Mm. Um, yeah, so I hope that makes some sense. That makes super sense. That's... I, for me, it just gives a super clear image and I was just thinking about it. So yoga and meditation will be creating awareness for yourself around yourself and family yeah. constellations will be creating awareness of what's happening around you in your close yeah. environment. And yeah, that, that yeah, really and the way you're living in your world as well. So the, the decisions I need to make and the, and the places I need to be and you know the other systems I need to be a part of whether it's some different work life or the friendship system or the society the governmental system I'm in right now and helps me find out like how that's weighing on me as a person and helps me navigate that yeah that's actually good that you mentioned that because this is part of the systemic constellations thing right that you look at the different systems and your different roles in them right can you speak to that just briefly to um so everyone understands 
Yeah, it's it's a sim. It's basic family constellations is like a small part of systemic constellations. I only say small because it's just a branch, but family constellations itself is huge because we are all affected by our families and our lineages. Well, and some systemic constellations is just the same thing if you take away the family word. So whatever other systems you are a part of, we are always part of something. As soon as we are interacting with it, we are a part of it. And um, then it's just helping you figure out resolutions or awareness. Um, maybe you have a child and, and they're in education and something's going on with other parents of that class. You can then use constellations to figure out what's going on there. And it's really cool because you can tap into energies by not being in direct relation to that person. Mm. So they don't have to be present for you to resolve the situation or to gain clarity. Mm. That's huge. Yeah, That's really oh, so huge. huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I tell you the, co the even cooler thing, which I found astounding, was um, after, my, after I was in Bali, so in, back in then 2019, I was invited to join group constellations by my coach and I hadn't done them before. And what I found amazing was all of these people, so we were in groups of maybe 10, maybe less even, they were able to tap into energies. So for example, we'd use one person's issue and then all of us would represent a certain part of that constellation. Imagine this like a star constellation, we're all a part of it. And maybe one of us would be representing the feelings of the mom or the dad or a work partner or something. And we could just download these emotions, these feelings, these bodily sensations as if we were that person. And it just happens. It's like How this it amazing. Work? You have to get rid of the mind. You have to go away from the mind and let your body take over. It's like when you meditate, you become part of the quantum field or, well, hopefully people are becoming that. <laughs> but it's like that energy you're tapping into that's, you know, just out there and around us. And when you agree to be part of a, a constellation, it's like you start to tap into that energy that is there somewhere. And it, and it comes to you. And the way I know it worked is one time we did it blind. And that means each person was given a piece of paper and said, you are the mother, the father, whatever, whatever. And then they put it in their pocket. And then when we acted it out, as in we represented and we let everyone figure out how they were feeling and maybe you move so that the constellation starts to shift energy. And then at the end, and then we all figured out who we were in the constellation. We were like, well, I feel like this and I feel like I'm the brother or I feel like I'm dead or something. And then at the end, when we opened up who we were, they were all correct. All the roles oh, hey, we were represented. So read it. No, we didn't read them. When we opened them, I was gobsmacked. I had chills. I was like, how can this be true? I've got chills now saying it. And, but it works. And I'll tell you an even better thing. My coach's coach, uh, who doesn't usually come to London, was doing a huge workshop in London in December 2019. And my coach said to me, write into him. Maybe you can have your constellation done. Being having it done by him was a big deal, and I was like, mm, I'm not sure I'm going to the workshop. And he said, Just go, I'm sure you will gain something from it. And there were about 200 people at this workshop somewhere in London, and you had the option to write in to have your situation be re um, represented by him, 
and he would then guide people. And I wrote in and my, my issue was alcoholism in my family, which was still happening at the time, even though my brother had passed, my dad was still suffering. And so I wanted it resolved and I thought, mm, I'll just try it. On that day, right at the end of the day, it was the last constellation and he goes, and now I would like to ask for the constellation of Randy Dillon to be represented if she doesn't mind. And I just went, oh, oh my God. I kid you not, there were 80 to 90 people involved in this constellation. And they all represented my ancestors, members of my family. And then what we do is we do resolving sentences, which means you have all these people representing these family members or whatever. And they say together, we heal you or we no longer will be um, addicted to alcohol. I don't know. But whatever you say with about 30 people saying the same thing while looking at you, I was like, oh, my God, is this really oh. happening? It was crazy. And it was all to do with healing alcoholism in my family line. And then I also kid you not, six months later, my father went sober and he's still sober. And it's been wow. almost two years. And, you know, it doesn't have to happen straight away, but it worked. Oh, it was incredible. I actually need to write to him and tell him what happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. And, but in, a, yeah. in such a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just so just, I, you know, when, you know that feeling when you're, you're almost watching yourself live. I guess I sometimes get it when I'm driving. I'm like, am I really driving? Because you go into that trance kind of mode. It was that feeling. And I thought, is this, is this happening? Are there 100, 90, 100 people all trying to, helping me heal my family? Oh, wow. It was incredible. Hmm. Yeah, it gave me chill, chills when you were just <laughs> saying, saying that. And that's the power of community, right? Yeah. Community, collective energy. Yeah. yeah. And awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I love these kind of stories. I just read something like totally, probably if you would read it on the newspaper, you would say, oh, that can't be true. That can't yeah. be something that someone has done or lived through. And there are all these mystical, magical stories out mm -hmm. there. And that seems so unbelievable. And this is almost one of them. But it's yeah. so so cool that it actually works and that it's reality and yeah yeah absolutely and I'm not going to question it or think more about it I'm no. just going to be happy it happened yeah. <laughs> wow that's that's really super amazing um so I'm just um checking what on my questions <laughs> <laughs> no problem you're you're about to offer the systemic constellations now um so what can people um how does it look like what can people expect is it one-to-one -one? Are, are you also offering um the group constellations sure so i will be using family and systemic i say family and systemic because people may not necessarily have an mm. issue directly with the family even though the family is always involved um, <laughs> so I will be offering this technique as part of my coaching one-to-one -one for sure 
and it's online unless somebody lives near me, in which case I don't mind meeting them. But um, so, yeah, it's, it's online. And then I have actually just done a workshop in it. But what the thing about workshop is you still need to work intimately. So it was a very small workshop and we did have a lot of interaction and there needs to be a honoring of a safe space so everyone can open up and, and share what's going on with them. And if someone may not be open to doing that in a group space, they for sure can come to me one-to-one. And I, I believe actually having experienced it myself, one-to-one is extremely beneficial because it's, I find it, I guess, safer because um, a lot of the time with, with the constellations, you actually need to release an emotion. Like you need to feel angry or you need to cry. I did a lot of crying. <laughs> and sometimes emotions just bubble up and, perhaps people might have that little bit of hesitance to do that if they know that a few other people are online or aware. So I will be offering my coaching sessions, which use this technique plus breath work or meditation. And it's kind of almost like the right prescription for that person and whatever their challenges are or whatever, however they'd like to work with me. And it's, it's not necessarily that I will only use this. It's if it's necessary for that situation and that person. And because I believe, I don't believe in like everybody will need the right, will need the, the same tools, sorry. Um, and then for the workshops, I will be continuing a few more workshops for the moment, doing the same thing where I introduced people to these, well, these wonderful women who joined me on Sunday, just to um, the method of constellations. And I showed them what it is, but I also showed the potential so they were definitely more interested in learning more about it and perhaps working one-to-one with me because they each had their own situation, which is totally normal. But um, I hope that everyone understands that there is so much more to coaching in a one-to-one session than just using one technique. It's totally about that person and what they, it, maybe they don't always know what they need, but that's the job of the coach to be able to guide them and and, and direct them to what will be health benefit and help to them. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. And I love that you're pointing out the, the value of a one-to-one session because I can relate to it and um, I kind of like it. It's, it's such, such a nice, um, almost like an antidote to what's offered like more and more um, on social media there you always have these or you have a lot of group sessions and and group coaching and it's um, I think it's nice and very valuable to also point out the value of one-on-one yeah yeah totally and you just you get to create a deeper relationship and I'm all about creating deep relationships I love that so much and and again you know it's, it's a way of you finding each other and seeing if you can work together. I think that's hugely important. A lot of the yeah. time I've, I've been in situations or I've heard of situations where the relationship is not right and you, that's totally fine. And maybe you, you're not right to work together. So in a group situation, you may not necessarily be able to get to that depth to see if this coach or this teacher is right for me. And, um, and then I think it's, it's all about that bond and that vibe you have together and, and that trust ultimately. Can you trust this person with everything that you're pouring out your heart with? And are you, are you in complete trust that this person is knowing how to guide you? Because I was, um, 
I think when I found, I have been almost given my teachers, they've almost fallen on my lap because even I always tell about this funny story that I met Octavio on a beach in Bali. Did you? <laughs> I didn't know. Big, yeah, he was walking his dog when I was actually just, just on holiday the, Just there. for the listeners out there um, who don't know, Octavio is our yoga teacher. So um, he yeah. has a yoga school on Bali. <laughs> so yeah, so our yoga teacher, um, it's not necessarily I was seeking him. It, I just happened to meet him. And the other coaches, as I said, they've been handed to me by friends. And they've always been the right person. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's really um, one-to-one is so necessary as well in a world where we're all longing for this connection, this mm. deep connection. And it, we forget that it's not just love relationships that we need. We, we actually need so many other types of relationships in our lives. You know, the ones with our families, with friends, with our work colleagues, whatever kind of relationship is, the more colorful our relationships, the more different kind of relationships we have, the more rich our lives are. And how lovely to have a teacher, a guide, a coach who's there with you to experience your life with you and guide you along the way. I, I think that's such an honor to have somebody help help you like that I, I was so honored by the the humans <laughs> the lovely humans that helped me and it's and it's fine it's not like a lifelong journey it will always find its inevitable end and then you go on to whoever is um in your life next so I agree yeah. one to one lovely and it also shows that it's you know, that it's really okay to seek connection or to seek help in certain areas. And we don't have to do everything alone on our own. That's something that came up for me lately in conversations and also while contemplating my own stuff. It's, yeah, just this can be such a, yeah, what you just said can be so reassuring for a lot of people listening, I feel. You know, Absolutely. it's okay not move through everything on your own and although you might be like super strong and and successful and you know you know what you want it's still okay to get guidance for certain things yeah and I would say I would almost go one step further and say if the person guiding you does not have their own guide, I would be worried because mm. that person should be con continuously evolving also as much as you are evolving. And if your coach is not evolving and has, doesn't have their own coach, then they're kind of, you, you, you might want to ask like, what are, how are you continuing with your life? Are you continuing to learn? And, and, and maybe for that one month, they don't, that's okay. But I mean, in the general sense, It's, it's like when we say that as teachers, we're always students first as well. So we're constantly learning as yoga teachers or how, whatever form of teaching you're teaching. Hmm. Um, and, and that is like the biggest learning and lesson that I've read so far around coaching. It's that um, ask your coach who is their coach and, and ask them what are they learning and what are they um, committing to for themselves And then you'll see that commitment to you, right? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. I remember talking with someone on the podcast about it, um, but 
I yeah, it's 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 such a great point. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I've heard it from in, in many different ways, and I feel it's very necessary to say because there are so many coaches out there, which is wonderful, so wonderful, and there's so many teachers and guides. But um, I think we should also be very careful with where we place our energy and and of course our financials and yeah. our trust and not necessarily given to people just because they have great marketing or because they have a great brand. I don't have any branding or marketing at the moment. And I decided that as a conscious decision that I will take my time with that because what's most important to me is the service that I offer and showing everyone that I am here dedicated to being a coach because I'm also dedicated to learning and, and educating myself continuously, which I am still doing. But um, it's, it's, I guess it's like, what's your intention really? And, and um, if, if you have the same intention as your coach or you understand or believe in, then that's great. I love that you touched back on that point of taking your time because we both chatted about it before we started recording. And <laughs> I believe it's so, so valuable. And it's just such a good reminder for anyone listening and for me as well to, you know, just to know you can take your time. There's actually no rush when you're living your truth or when you're striving for something that's really fulfilling you. So, um, yeah, yeah, totally. And isn't it that feeling that um, a lot of, I guess, social media and a lot of maybe coaches too or, or teachers, they give us this feeling that life is short. You must do everything now. Hustle, hustle, hustle. I know mm. for sure I felt that for a long time. But when I learned that it's actually in the slowing down that you get the biggest epiphanies and the biggest success and, <laughs> and, you, and you get all the people just coming to you Every single time I switch off, I, I go off social media, I drown out the noise with silence, let's say. It's not drown is probably not the best word to use. But um, every time I go into silence or I just be, and um, I've done that in the last few days. And then like all the creativity comes and my relationships are lovely again. And I'm happier and I'm more joyful and I'm centered and I'm living in my truth. And it's, and it's because all, when we get busy, then we're just distracted all the time. And everything, if you imagine, I imagine it as your energy pot at the beginning of the day. And throughout the day, you're depleting your energy pot and giving it to certain things. And, and maybe it's your family, children, and maybe it's your learning, or maybe you're teaching, or maybe you're watching TV. And that energy pot is becoming more and more drained. But shouldn't we become more aware of what we are giving our energy away to? And if we're constantly busy, we can't even figure that out. Mm. So this, this slowing down is a nice way to contemplate and to figure out what we want and ask all these questions. And just recently, um, around six weeks ago now, I left my last corporate job because I was kind of, <laughs> well, it's, it's, I'm I think it's, I'm applauding. Oh, well, <laughs> Thank you. But I think it's also totally fine when people are in a corporate job. And I, sure. I would like to make yeah, sure. absolutely clear that um, I took one back because it was necessary for me in my situation. And it wasn't just because of financials. It's because at the time I wasn't so clear in what I wanted. And I thought, well, what are the skills I have right now? And then I used them. But I made sure that 
I had my values written down and this was the only kind of workplace or job that I wanted. So then I again went in uh, to a workplace, but this time I loved it. I was surrounded by people that I loved working with. I enjoyed the work. I had great projects and it was a hoot. It was a really good fun. And all through 2020, I had great fun. And the only thing that happened was from the beginning of this year, and I think it was for a reason, you know, it's almost like the universe helping me out again. The project that I came on to the beginning of this year was not aligned with me at all. And I was working with people that I didn't enjoy working with. It, they weren't part of my team, but they were different team members scattered around. And eventually I was just feeling so not aligned to my truth in my workplace that I, that I just, I, it was like everything in me was just telling me, this is not for you. This is not for you. And it wasn't because it was a corporate job. It was because that job right there was not for me. And then at the same time, I also was starting to grow awareness of what I wanted to do with my own business. And so it was like a, a perfect situation, a perfect storm for me where I had to just wake up and go, okay, well, this is not working for me anymore. It doesn't make me feel good. And I totally respect everyone here. But for me, in this moment in my life, it's not happening. And, and then I left in the middle of a project. But um, I did my best. I was respectful. I was totally grateful for everything they gave me. And, um, and then I wasn't so sure at one point should I step into my new business. Like we just discussed, I needed this space, this gap. Um, in my head, it was like, right, two weeks, and then I'm on to like working on my new business and coaching. And as life does, um, that, that was not so much the case. <laughs> I needed to rest a lot. I yeah. needed to just um, experience enjoying myself, um, experience being with my friends and my family, deepening the relationships that maybe I didn't have time for before when I was working you know, just dance and work out when the gym's open finally. Um, enjoy, just enjoy life. And I really have, and it's been six weeks. And then it's almost like my whole being was like, okay, this is, I, you're ready now. Not that I ever um, needed a break from coaching, but I needed a break from putting myself out into, I guess, a more pub public space. And I, I always knew I didn't want to start any form of service or offering from emptiness. That was just kind of like a knowing I had. So slowing down was, was beautiful. <laughs> it's not always easy. Your mind will tell you some stuff for sure, <laughs> but that's when all the awareness kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe in slowing down. It's I, I would say I've made a similar experience over the past year. So coming mm -hmm. from this like really high paced, stressful agents, agency job, then quitting it, which was almost 11 years ago, but still I went back to certain work projects in agencies and there I would again get into that spiral and, you know, slowly, slowly slowing down, you create the mm -hmm. space to contemplate and um, also what you said about creativity that's when you have the space then mm. you literally feel creativity coming back which yeah. you didn't have room for before exactly yeah, yeah it's, it's or we know we have it but we just don't have the time for it the time for it to evolve and expand yeah. and I think a lot of people find on holidays 
that they, um, towards the end of the holiday, they start to get that in love with life feeling back and the gratitude and, and then like, oh, I have an idea. And that comes because they've given themselves usually so much space um, and slowing down. Yeah, yeah, so it's nice practice to have. That's a good reminder. So guys, when you go on summer holidays, which is still a few <laughs> weeks, and hopefully you can, <laughs> Try and take that that space with you afterwards, and then create it in your daily life. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not busy up too much. Yeah, exactly. Just creating little pockets of, um, you said pockets of joy or pockets of freedom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when you were just talking about that or saying that your um your the work project didn't align with your truth anymore i was like huh we actually didn't talk about what it means for you you know living your truth do you like to speak about that just a little bit more or do you like to keep it for yourself which is totally fine as well yeah i, I don't mind at all um Like, like I'd mentioned at the start, the number one thing for me living with truth is listening to how I feel inside and how uh, a certain situation or a relationship or a scenario is affecting me or and if it's um, an emotion coming up, it's listening to that emotion or letting it work through me crying or if it's anger, figuring out the root cause of it rather than just saying, well, I'm angry right now. It's, it's really honoring myself and putting me first and not in a selfish disrespectful way in a way that you you truly respect yourself and honoring who you are in your existence because uh, for many many years and I think a lot of people still have this from talking to friends and other people they're afraid to be with themselves they're afraid to go even to have dinner with by themselves or to go on holiday with themselves or yesterday I was talking to someone and she said I don't like walking. Um, I find it boring. And I think walking is the biggest, one of the biggest pleasures in my life because I'm by <laughs> myself and I love my thoughts. I love like listening to them. And then maybe if it's a really long walk, I might actually listen to a lecture or a podcast or something, but not usually because I like the, it, 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 my, my thoughts always go in this way where they'll first be quite fast and then they kind of slow down and then I look at the nature around me and then maybe it'll remind me of something and it's lovely it's a lovely process so it's yeah so in living in truth for me is honoring myself always and um I think you know physicality because we are in this physical world is very important so um movement is truly important to me and, and that's staying healthy staying well exercising and if When I say exercise, it's it's only the way that I like to do it. So everyone might have their different way. For me, it's a mixture of um, strength training, um, either with a trainer or in the gym on my own. Um, sometimes I might do the odd gym class and, and dancing. I love to dance so much. So I do Zumba a lot. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, when I'm doing Zumba, it's like I have no cares in the world. <laughs> Nothing else matters. I'm truly, truly present and it's, and I look around and everyone's enjoying it. And I'm like, oh, this is life. It's just a beautiful feeling. There's no competition because um, I actually don't run for a purpose because I was almost bred to be competitive because in my school, we had a lot of sports teams and I was in a lot of them. And also, I guess, just in my family nature, 
all of us cousins were compared a lot to each other. So there's a lot of competition in my upbringing. And as, as soon as I became more aware of my own patterns and behaviors, I realized I was so competitive, so competitive. Like even when I was walking around London from the tube to my workplace, I, I was competing with people on the, on the footpath. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my God, I need to walk faster than this person. Or wow. when I was in the gym, yeah, I mean, when I was in the gym, I was thinking, oh, I can go faster than this person on the treadmill. I was seriously competitive and I still can be, but I keep it in check. I don't mm. feel a need for competition unless I'm like on a running race line, which I'm never anyway. So I, I, um, I'm very aware of that. And it's honoring myself with nourishing food, being with my family. It's doing all the things I love. And, and when something doesn't resonate with me, it's asking myself why and mm -hmm. figuring it out and giving myself that time. Um, yeah, it's, it's living in truth for me is really loving myself truly and wholly. And that took a lot of time. I didn't always feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. And even if we feel it, you know, it can be so hard to go through with it and really live it because there's always these thoughts coming up, at least for me. And I know for a lot of people, um, oh, I should maybe do that or shouldn't I go here? And yeah, I can't rest now because da, da, da. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a practice like anything else. I think we touched on this earlier. It's, you know, all the obligations, expectations. That of course, we, we are living in this life, so we will have some. But then it's, it's necessarily, it's the practice of awareness of what is important to me for this day, what matters the most. And if it's going to take away from my overall health or my well-being, what is the point if then later on it's going to detract from another experience? Yeah. I understand that parents are probably listening to this going, well, if you don't have kids, you don't understand. <laughs> but then um, I think it can be put into any scenario. If we're not looking after ourselves, what is the point in anything? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you say for you, um, living in your truth is connected to certain core values or was is, is it really more of, living in intuitively and doing what you love every day? I think living in truth is, is more um, a state of living rather than it needing to be a core value. It is life. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if core values would come after living in truth, the mm -hmm. way I see it. It's, it's like, because if you think about it, all religions, all teachings, they're all about you being with your truth, right? And you being connected to your truth. They always come back to it. What is you at heart? Um, and then you can have your core values like um, I want to be in a deep relationship or I, whatever the core values are. But if you're not living in your truth, you can't find your core values. Mm. So... It's um, if, if you think about people who are addicted or, um, you know, suffering, it's because they're not living in their truth. Mm -hmm. that's, that's literally the essence of everything. Um, so it's, it's maybe like the baseline that helps yeah. you find the core values and 
live your best yeah. life. It's a great way of explaining it. Yeah. So it's like almost connect with your truth and then everything else flows. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That's, why I call it. That's why it's in my business name. <laughs> it's a constant reminder for me. I can't not live in truth now. <laughs> so I have one more question, which is a listener question. I'm super excited. I'm starting to include listener questions now. So you guys oh. will probably put some stuff up for the upcoming episodes. And you can also every time just send in some questions and um, I will see um, where I can um, ask them or work them out in one of my solo shows. So the listener question is that, um, you know, um, for example, having one of these um, family constellation sessions, you gain certain insights, you have an aha moment, you have realizations How do you do the next steps? How can you integrate that knowledge, that realization into your life? So it's basically, mm -hmm. how do you go from awareness to action? Mm -hmm. um, I think you almost answered the question there. <laughs> awareness is the answer. Because the constellation or whatever work you're doing does help you provide a certain level of awareness, but you need to take that awareness into your life. It's, it's like whatever work you do in a session doesn't end in the session. If it does, I don't think you're getting any benefit from it and you should stop. So I, I think if you're, you're helped and guided right, then that awareness needs to be the action. There is no really other action to take at the moment if we're not aware. So it's awareness throughout the day, awareness of your emotions, of other people's reactions to you, your reactions to others, awareness of maybe the work you've done in a constellation, has this been of any effect? If not, maybe it'll have effect later. Perhaps journaling your awareness, keeping a track of it, keeping a record. Um, and I would say it's, it's like this lovely golden thread through all practices that if your awareness is not the action, you're not really going to get much benefits of other actions. And this, I think, is going to be a core part of my offerings as well. And we had talked about this earlier. And um, at the moment, I have some amazing ladies doing the 40-day awareness challenge. And, um, and what I'm going to be doing going forward is um, hopefully they'll have some benefit from it. And as soon as I finish this with this current group of ladies, um, I'm thinking to now offer this as a 40-day awareness challenge. So they're currently in, in the start of this. And, and what this is, is guidance from myself to show how to make this awareness the action. What, what actually can you do with awareness? And then I will pr provide support calls. So if you think of 40 days, so I split it into four support calls every 10 days. And it's really because this has been the core of how I've brought myself to this, to this current day. It's only through awareness because everything I've learned, whether it's yoga, meditation, whether it's family constellations, whatever it is, if I don't have the awareness going forwards of what teachings are, how they're um, impacting me in my life, well, I'm not sure where else to go if, I have, if I'm not aware hmm. and constantly being aware because it's, it's almost like breathing. If you're not a aware of everything that's going on like your thoughts how your body's feeling 
how you're feeling, all this kind of stuff. It's it's very hard work. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's easy. So I hope yeah, it is, your because... understand my explanation. <laughs> no, no, that's um I'm just just following up a little bit here because oftentimes we have created that awareness and maybe even mm. in a situation we know that we are about to repeat a certain pattern and yes. of course then the question is like how can the awareness really become my action and in a in a different yeah. way so that I'm not falling back into that pattern yeah so this is actually a little bit scientific then what what has happened in a certain pattern of behavior is that you've created a certain neural pathway in your brain and you've repeated something for example you brush your teeth over and over and over and you have a neural pathway in your brain that knows this is brushing teeth that's it and it knows what to expect and it knows that almost like when your hand goes like this up to your mouth it knows what's going to happen so with for example if it's then a behavior it's and you hear a trigger, it's almost like that neural pathway is constantly triggered and repeated because it's happened over and over and over. It's just like a habit, right? When we do something, we do it over and over and over. And then that's where the awareness is the hardest, I would say. It's when you need to be aware and then just stop yourself and go, whoa, okay, my choice is now to either go back into this habit or repetition of belief or whatever, or I can choose something else. That is just pure conscious choice. That is, I think, the hardest thing you can ever do in your life. Mm. <laughs> because that's the non all this non-reaction, detachment, all of this, it really comes down to pure conscious choice of whether you're, you're going to keep repeating those neural pathways that are already connected, or you're just going to go, wait, I'm actually going to change the chemistry of my brain right now. And I'm going to think, or do something else. And I remember talking to my older coach about this and I thought, I'm really tired. I'm really like super tired. This is hard work. And he goes, of course, you're changing the chemistry of your brain. Did you not know that? And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> it's not easy to change the chemicals in your brain on your own, but that is literally um, what you do with awareness. <laughs> and that's why not yeah. many people do it, right? Not not everyone's doing it because it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's probably <laughs> like a workout just in your brain, not on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, I would say I know. even harder than, harder, harder yeah. than a workout. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. I yeah, loved yeah. Our, our chat. Is there anything you would like to add that we haven't touched on or that? comes to your mind um, I yeah I think what I'd like to say to everyone listening is the effort and the thought that you put behind this podcast and this session is truly amazing and remarkable and I think needs to be acknowledged um, because I remember when I when I was doing my interviews on women in truth um, for anyone who doesn't know I was doing a few interviews with who I thought were remarkable women at the time that I'd met um, in around February, March time on my Instagram. And even though that was not a podcast, it was literally, I just went live through Instagram. It did take effort from me and it took effort for me to hold space, to ask the questions, to then follow up with other questions, to really truly listen and be present. 
And you've done that today. So I would like to give thanks to you for doing that. <laughs> um, I think Thank that's you so much. <laughs> oh, no, you're welcome. Totally welcome. Um, yeah, I want people to see everything that goes on in a certain scenario. And I'm not saying that because I want people to think a certain way of me, but I, I like to honor those who I'm connecting with. Anything else? Um, I think I've, I've said a lot already. <laughs> Probably just if you if you know you have that voice inside you and you can hear it, please just listen to it. I, I know so many times when I didn't and it was speaking to me so loud and I could have saved myself from a lot of suffering. Going back, I'm grateful for all experiences and we always can be. Um, and if you don't have that voice yet, I would say slow down slow down until you do because it's there everybody has a voice it is their own voice you you're you're not human if you don't have your own voice yeah so it's listen to your voice and if you can't hear it slow down until you do beautiful i don't want to say anything else yeah thank you so much thank you so much again It was really a pleasure having you on. I totally enjoyed the conversation and I hope it, I hope and I'm actually sure that you will be a great inspiration for people listening to live more in their own truth. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much to everyone who listened to this. Thank you. All right, I hope you're leaving as fascinated as I did after my conversation with Randeep or maybe just a little bit more open-minded to other solutions, to other ways to solve problems and to approach things. And I mean, that's basically what I want to um, portray here on this podcast. And that's why I established this platform. So I really hope you enjoyed it and thank you so much for listening. As always, if you liked this episode, if you found it inspiring, please share it with friends, share it on your social media. If you're on Instagram, tag Randeep and me and help us spread the message of reconnecting with our true selves and living really empowered lives. <laughs>